1: Hello and welcome to the first of four installments of the FT Money Neptune Emerging Markets Roundtable discussion. I'm Matthew Vincent from the Financial Times and I'm delighted to be joined by three expert commentators to discuss emerging and developed markets from an investor's point of view. They are Jim O'Neill, Chief Economist of Goldman Sachs. Hello. Tim Bond, Head of Global Asset Allocation Strategy at Barclays Capital, joining us down the line. Hello. And James Dowie, Chief Economist of Neptune. Hi, Matthew. So let's Start then with individual countries in emerging markets. Jim, now you are best known for coining the Mr. phrase. Brick. I'm Mr. Brick. brick. Yep. Exactly. So um, is
0: the story still about those four economies? I mean, I, I don't actually really believe that the brick economy should be regarded as traditional emerging markets. So I think they are quite distinct. Uh, and I know there are other large population emerging countries like Indonesia that are doing things rather differently by the looks of it these days. But I think I think these four countries are of a different degree than any others. Uh, it took me a long time to really go on into the details of that. But, I, yeah, I think they're all doing pretty well. And, and the one that people always think is doing particularly poorly, Russia, might actually be the surprise of the year, in my judgment.
1: And, James, Russia is uh, you know, a, a country that I know you've been looking at. What are your views on its uh, growth prospects?
3: Well... We're very positive on Russia's growth prospects. And the first thing to take into consideration is that China's central to the emerging market story. But Russia has what China needs. It has resources. And in a global economy where, you know, a third of global population in terms of China plus India is going to be growing at a rapid rate, that's going to be a natural resource intensive environment and Russia's going to benefit from that.
1: And, Tim, do you share this view about Russia being an attractive proposition in terms of its growth potential?
2: Um, I mean, I think it is an attractive economic proposition. I'm not sure whether it's an attractive, yeah. such an attractive investment opportunity given, you know, there's a sort of bit of an absence of rule of law. You're never quite sure whether the thing you've bought is actually, you know, you're going to remain owner of it. I think I think I would sort of prefer to go the Brazil direction. You know, they they make the stuff that China needs. The market's not as valued as cheaply as Russia, but I think the rule of law is more effective there, and, uh, you know, if you buy something there, it's probably going to remain yours and not be, uh, not be taken
1: over. Jim, this idea that it's what China needs that's, uh, that matters, is is that one that you subscribe to?
0: Well, I guess we might get into this and further things, but I, I think you've got to be careful on this China commodity link. Post-crisis China is a different place than pre-crisis, and we're, we're entering... Uh, In fact, we've already entered the age of the Chinese consumer. So the notion that China's strong and you buy every commodity, I, I think, needs to be thought about probably a bit more carefully. And for that reason, on the resource thing, I, I, I would agree with Tim, actually, because I think Brazil's got the benefit of having a wider base of commodities, and including some that would benefit from Chinese consumption as opposed to Chinese production. But we've got to be careful here about whether you're talking about growth or markets as well, as Tim implies. I agree with that, too, that you know the Chinese growth story is so powerful this year that part of the problem for markets is that they're having to do things to slow growth down. So it's even more complicated than usual. But in my opinion, you've got to be careful about the China and commodity link of the past almost decade. I think it's possibly changing. And, and we'll come on to the uh, the difference between economic growth
1: and, and equity markets in uh, one of our later installments. But uh, Tim, if I can just come back to you, uh, you mentioned Brazil. Um, is it the case that, you know, that, that Brazil has already come so far that it might not have further to go? Or, or are you still bullish?
2: I think I'm, I'm still fairly constructive. I mean, I think I definitely echo what Jim was saying. And cyclically, China um, has hit that point where they've got they've got a small inflation risk and they're needing to tighten policy and slow stuff down. So <clears throat> the China market itself and then kind of China-related plays are are going into that typical kind of consolidatory phase. You see at this point in the business cycle. But I think looking at Brazil, no risk premium is still is still pretty high. You know, real yields are very high in the government bond market. Um, the equity, equity discount has narrowed a lot compared to European markets, but it's still, you know, it's a sort of mix of the commodity story, a very good internal macroeconomic story, and an economy that, you know, looks like it's developing quite a lot of self sustaining characteristics as well as just being, you know, the beneficiary of the supplier of everything to China. So I'm, I think I'm pretty constructive on that, on that market, and I think the way the macroeconomy is being managed and the sort of the social political mix, which, you know, is coming from a really difficult position, and they've dealt with those issues very, very well indeed. I'm just sort of very, I think I'm very constructive on that market and think it deserves a much lower risk premium.
1: Certainly. And uh, if I can just bring James in here, uh, if you had to name one particular emerging market economy that will deliver the the strongest growth over the next 10 years, what would it be?
3: Uh, Well, in terms of the economy, it would be China. Um, China's trend growth rate is higher than the other BRICS economies. But you know, I, I really must repeat, you know, my emphasis on Russia. Now, this this is an, an economy that has been held back through most of the twentieth century by communist government. And we've moved to a situation where we have broadly okay, it's not perfect, but we have broadly pro business policies. And once you have that, when there's so much catch-up potential there, which is what emerging market growth is all about then that looks very positive in the long run. And in the short run on Russia, you know, Russia's very unloved compared to the other emerging markets right now.
1: But you'd still go with China for being the strongest. Oh, China's
3: uh, going to grow the fastest, yeah.
1: And uh, uh, Tim, would you agree with that, or uh, do you favour Brazil?
3: Um,
2: no, I think, I mean, I think it's, it's rational to think that China's going to grow uh, very strongly. And I think that the domestic... You know, the domestic stock market is incredibly volatile, and uh, I think a lot of people in the West tend to regard it with a bit of scepticism. But, you know, if you look at it on a forward valuation basis, it is quite cheap. This is an economy's sort of trend growth rate is close to 10% in real terms. So, you know, anywhere between sort of 12 and 15% in nominal terms. And yet the PE, the forward multiple for the market, is around 10 in two years' time. So I think it's very cheap, and I'm personally looking for a place to, you know, to start buying into it. Uh, well, as soon as you get a signal that this kind of monetary tightening's um, been sufficient to to quell this particular inflation problem which is which at the moment is is, is fairly tame anyway
0: um, for, actually on on the growth if you 're really asking about growth for the next decade i i think india 's growth rate is going to be stronger than china 's the next decade there won 't be a lot in it but uh, india 's got spectacular demographics and and that advantage is growing rapidly relative to the other three um, and they 're getting slowly some of the infrastructure things together so on, on pure growth my my bet would be india is the strongest of the four in in relative gdp terms in the next 10 years jim
1: tim and james uh, for now thank you all very much uh, you'll be able to find the second installment of this round table debate together with transcripts of all our discussions and additional analysis of emerging markets from Neptune on our website at ft.com forward slash money. And you'll also find details of how you can take part in our special FT Money Neptune Emerging Markets Competition for the chance to win £5,000. Details in FT Money with the Weekend FT and on our website at ft.com forward slash money. But until then, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from Jim. Goodbye. James. Goodbye. And Tim.
2: Goodbye of a bit of an absence of rule of law you're never quite sure whether the thing you've bought is actually you're, you know you're going to remain owner of it i think i think i would sort of prefer to go the brazil direction you know they they make the stuff that china needs the market's not as valued as cheaply as russia but i think the rule of law is more effective there and uh, you know if you buy something there it's probably going to remain yours and not
1: be uh, not be taken over. Jim, this idea that it's what China needs uh, that matters, is is that one that you subscribe to?
0: Well, I guess we might get into this into further things. But I I think you've got to be careful on this China commodity link. Post-crisis China is a different place than pre-crisis. And we're we're entering, uh, in fact, we've already entered the age of the Chinese consumer. So the notion that China's strong and you buy every commodity, I, I think needs to be thought about probably a bit more carefully. And for that reason, on the resource thing, I, I, I would agree with Tim, actually, because I think Brazil's got the benefit of having a wider base of commodities, and including some that would benefit from Chinese consumption as opposed to Chinese production. But we've got to be careful here about whether you're talking about growth or markets as well, as Tim implies. I agree with that, too, that you know, the Chinese growth story is so powerful this year that part of the problem for markets is that they're having to do things to slow growth down. So it's even more complicated than usual. But in my opinion, you've got to be careful about the China and commodity link of the past almost decade. I think it's possibly changing. And, and we'll come on to the uh, the difference
1: between economic growth and, and equity markets in uh, one of our later installments. But uh, Tim, if I can just come back to you, uh, you mentioned Brazil. Um, is it the case that, you know, that, that Brazil has already come so far that it might not have further to go? Or, or are you still bullish?
2: I think I'm, I'm still fairly constructive. I mean, I think I definitely echo what Jim was saying. And cyclically, China um, has hit that point where they've got, they've got a small inflation risk and they're needing to tighten policy and slow stuff down. So <clears throat> the China market itself and then kind of China-related plays are, are going into that typical kind of consolidatory phase you see at this point in the business cycle. But I think looking at Brazil, no, risk premium is still, is still pretty high. You know, real yields are very high in the government bond market. Um, the equity, equity discount has narrowed a lot compared to European markets, but it's still, you know, it's a sort of mix of the commodity story, a very good internal macroeconomic story, and an economy that, you know, looks like it's developing quite a lot of self sustaining characteristics as well as just being, you know, the beneficiary of the supplier of everything to China. So I think I'm pretty constructive on that, on that market. And I think the way the macroeconomy is being managed and the sort of the social political mix which you know is coming from a really difficult position and they've dealt with those issues very very well indeed i'm just sort of very i think i'm very constructive on that market and think it deserves a much
1: lower risk premium certainly and uh if i can just bring james in here uh if you had to name one particular emerging market economy that will deliver the the strongest growth over the next 10 years what would it be
3: well in terms of the economy it would be china um china's trend growth rate is higher than the other BRICS economies. But you know, I, I really must repeat, you know, my emphasis on Russia. Now, this this is an, an economy that has been held back through most of the twentieth century by a communist government. And we've moved to a situation where we have broadly okay, it's not perfect, but we have broadly pro business policies. And once you have that, when there's so much catch up potential there, which is what emerging market growth is all about, then that looks very positive in the long run. And in the short run on Russia yeah, you know, Russia is very unloved compared to the other emerging markets right now.
1: But you'd still go with China for being the strongest. Oh, China's uh, going to China's going to grow the fastest. Yeah. And uh, uh, Tim, would you agree with that, or uh, do you favour Brazil?
2: Um, no, I think. I mean, I think it's, it's rational to think that China's going to grow uh, very strongly, and I think that the domestic, you know, the domestic stock market's incredibly volatile, and uh, I think a lot of people in the West tend to regard it with a bit of scepticism. But you know, if you look at it on a forward valuation basis. It is quite cheap. This is an economy's sort of trend growth rate is close to 10% in real terms. So, you know, anywhere between sort of 12 and 15% in nominal terms. And yet the PE, the forward multiple for the market, is around 10 in two years' time. So I think it's very cheap. And I'm personally looking for a place to, you know, to start buying into it. Uh, it will, as soon as you get a signal that this kind of monetary tightening has um, been sufficient to to quell this particular inflation problem, which is which at the moment is is, is fairly tame
0: anyway. Um, for, actually, on on the growth, if you're really asking about growth for the next decade, I I think India's growth rate is going to be stronger than China's the next decade. There won't be a lot in it, but uh, India's got spectacular demographics, and and that advantage is growing rapidly relative to the other three. Um, and they're getting slowly some of their infrastructure things together. So on, on pure growth. My, my bet would be India is the strongest of the four in, in relative GDP terms in the next 10 years. Jim, Tim and
1: James, uh, for now, thank you all very much.
0: Uh, you'll be able to
1: find the second instalment of this roundtable debate, together with transcripts of all of our discussions and additional analysis of emerging markets from Neptune, on our website at ft.com forward slash money. And you'll also find details of how you can take part in our special FT Money Neptune Emerging Markets competition for the chance to win £5,000. Details in FT Money with the Weekend FT and on our website at ft.com forward slash money. But until then, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from Jim. Goodbye. James. Goodbye. And Tim. Goodbye.
0: Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor. What's a mistake they made that changed their approach? And how do they find their next great idea? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right.